And so now I can get to do what I came here to do, which is to preach the word of God to you. And, uh, and I hope that you value the word of God in your life. I really do. Uh, because there's nothing that will change you like the word of God will. When we're willing to just listen to it. And, and this is one of my encouragements to you. When it comes to scripture, listen to what scripture says, not what it doesn't say. Because, you know, sometimes we can get uh, caught up in, well, I've heard that verse before, I've heard that point before, and we can jump to a conclusion or we can jump to what somebody else's opinion might have been about that scripture, as opposed to just looking at scripture itself and just saying, hey, it will stand on its own. You know, and so I want to share some things with you. Um, but I first want to kind of, just to bring us all up to speed a little bit as to what the term sugar daddy means culturally. Because I realize maybe not all of you are on the cutting edge of culture. And, uh, and so I want to help just make sure that we're on the same page. But, and this is kind of my definition, by the way. So this isn't something. But a sugar daddy would describe a relationship with someone that comes primarily with financial benefits. Regardless of the quality or the commitment of the relationship. I'll say it again. A sugar daddy is someone, is a relationship with someone that has financial benefits regardless of the quality or the commitment of the relationship. So let me just make it real plain. I'm with you as long as you've got money. If the money goes, so do I. So, uh, so that's what the term really means. We have the, we have phrases today in culture that's like a kept man or a kept woman. It just means somebody else is taking care of you. But what happens when that money runs out, that kept person goes and finds somebody else to keep them. And so part of what I want to communicate, and, and, and honestly, I'm not trying to be crass or even cute with my title. There's actually a real reason behind it is that we can actually approach God that way. In our relationship with God, we can say, God, as long as you do what I want, when I want, and you give me what I want, we're good. But the moment that I don't get what I want or the moment I don't to, to receive what I think I need, I'm going to question my relationship with you. In other words, the relationship is shallow. It's all about me. It's all about what I need. Because, you know, there are times that, there have, that, that God has walked me into seasons that I did not like. That I'm like, God, this is not fair. But God says, yes, but I need you to learn something. I need something in you to shift because the way you are is not going to get you where I want you to be. And so there has to be some growth and some change even in my discomfort. And sometimes I won't change until I'm uncomfortable. God is a good father, not a bad father. I mean, I'm going to make sure that my kids get the education that they need for them. Why? Because I want to make sure that I set them up for success. And so I'm going to make sure they get up and go to class and do their homework. I'm going to do those natural things. I'm going to learn. I'm going to teach them what? That they know how to work. Why? Because the Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. I kind of want them to eat, you know, it's kind of important. Preferably, I'm not feeding them the rest of their life, but, you know, I'm going to work to make sure that that doesn't happen. 
But specifically, and this is really where I, where, where I want to go with this, because uh, there's a lot of directions that I really could go, but there's specifically an area that I, I want to help us come to a place of an understanding, is really is what is the connection between God and our finances? You know, God has a plan for your finances. And the Bible talks about money a lot. Why? Because where your money is, there your heart's going to be. That's what the Bible tells us. And there is a direct connection, but I also know that we can actually approach God and money in a wrong way. In a very wrong way. And we're going to look at some things this morning and talk through some things this morning. But, you know, I'm concerned that one of the ways that we look at God specifically in regards to our finances is this, is that we look at him more like a genie in the bottle. That God, you're going to grant me my wishes and I'm going to do certain things, but I'm going to expect certain results. Your heart's already wrong. It really is. And this is really more about our heart than it is about our actions. And so please don't tune me out. Because as your pastor, you would allow me to speak to any other area of your life except for maybe this one. Because you're like, hey, it's my money. Okay, well, who gave you the ability to earn that money? Who woke you up today? Who gave you the natural ability? Who gave you the mind and the skill set and the aptitudes that you have? Everything that we have is actually a gift from the Lord. It really is. Now, I already, I can feel the pushback in the room. And you're like, I don't like this. I don't care. Right? Why? Because I love you enough to tell you what the word of God says. Right? And so, look, I mean, because here's the thing, is that I am concerned that we really do treat God more like a genie just to give us our desires. But, and, but we really have to have a proper understanding that God has a plan for my income, for my outflow, for my legacy. Like living beyond my life. Like I want to make a difference even after I'm gone, if Jesus doesn't come back. I want to make a difference in places that my feet will never set. A few months ago, we did that. We sent, whatever, over 1,100 Bibles to the nation of Iran that are in their native language. I may never go to that nation. I may never be able to go to that nation. But I can send seed in the form of a Bible that can spark a gospel into somebody's life. Well, that's leaving a legacy. And I won't know the returns on that until I get to heaven, and I'm perfectly okay with that. And so I believe that we need to really have an understanding that, that the way that God works when it comes into the area of our finances. And so I'm going to read some scriptures, give you some thoughts today. And, and I really want you to hear. And again, I'm going to say this again. Hear what I'm saying, not what I'm not saying. Don't fill in blanks where I don't leave blanks. Okay. Because when it comes to church and money, people have funny views. You know, there's a saying people are funny about their money. Why? Because we all are. And look, and as a pastor, people can be like, oh, pastor, you, you're just after my money. You're always talking about money. Let me just give you, I'll, so this will tell you how long I've been working on this. Do you realize I've not asked you for money one time in six months, except for the Bibles? Like I've not given offering message in six months. We've incorporated into church news. Just because I didn't want people to say, well, you're always talking about money. 
No, I'm really not. And I'm not after your money. I am after the blessings of God in your life. Because I know, I mean, my family, not just my immediate, I mean, like the family I grew up in, we were changed because my parents got a hold of this. Of really what it means to be kingdom minded in the area of our finances. And to live a life that says, God, I'm going to prioritize your kingdom above mine. But I realize that I can never outgive God. So there's no way for God to owe me anything. I mean, the, the Bible is very clear. You cannot sow that you will not reap. But the motive matters. The heart behind it matters. And so in 3 John chapter 2. Or I'm sorry, 3 John, there's only one chapter, if you don't know. 3 John verse 2, it says this. He says, beloved, so believers, he says, I wish, or another version would say, I pray above all things. Everybody say all things. things. Above all things that thou mayest, what's that word? And be in, even as your soul will prosper. Do you realize that God cannot bless you financially beyond the point at which your soul can support that blessing? Why? Because that blessing will ruin you if we don't allow our soul to grow. And here's the thing. If we ever separate our finances from our relationship with God, we're already in a mess. If you can trust God with your eternity, can you trust him with your checkbook? Because if you can't trust him with your checkbook... What about forever? Now, I'm going to be fairly direct. Not that I'm usually not, but I will be fairly direct during this time. No, God's design design is that when our soul prospers, we can't help but prosper on the outside. This is the way God works. He works from the inside out. God said when we got saved, what happened? He put a new heart in us, and then our behaviors began to adjust. It happened on the inside first. Well, the same thing happens in the area of our finances. And I have seen God work in my life in tremendous ways in the area of finances. But it's not because of who I am. It's not because of what I do. It's because I've made a decision that I was going to honor God first in the area of my finances. And I've been amazed to see how God brings about provision. And so I want to share some things with you today. And it's really important because our heart has to have the right conditions for God's blessings to come into our life. If our heart's not right, God will say, I cannot bless that. If we're giving to get, then we're already off. We're supposed to give because we've been blessed. So, and we're like, God, out of my abundance. Like, well, I don't have an abundance. More than you think. More than you think. And so it's important because what happens if our heart's not right, we'll just abuse our money. And the, and the goal really becomes, I'm going to use God to get more money and to get more stuff. Not, I'm going to use my money to glorify God and to touch people. That is the goal. The goal is that the kingdom of God, I want to be a kingdom-minded person. That God, I'm going to put your kingdom first. And I'm going to honor you in the area of my finances. Why? Because I know that you want to increase me so that I can be a greater blessing. Let me just put it very specifically. How many of you believe if you had more money, you could make a greater impact? 
Let me say that again. How many believe if you had more money, you could make a bigger impact? How many Bibles could we send with more money? More Bibles. How many people could we rescue from sex trafficking with more money? More people. I mean, that's the, that's the real epidemic that people aren't talking about, by the way. It is modern-day slavery, and it is off the charts, and it's happening in our backyard. It happens all over the world. And people are being trafficked, and there's people who are going in and rescuing these people. Well, guess what? It, it, it takes money to do those things. And God will bless his people. I mean, think about this. Even You don't even have to think about it in context of the Bible. But the Jewish nation has a reputation for what? Having money. I mean, you, you, you meet somebody and you're like, oh, and I don't know if you're aware of that or not, but it is kind of a stereotype that they are blessed. Why? Because they live these principles very much so. They honor the Lord in the area of their finances. And so it's important that we understand that God does not exist to serve us, but we actually exist to serve his purposes. That's why we're here. That's what he saved us for. Yes, he saved us to go to heaven, but he also saved us to have an impact. Well, to have an impact means we need resources. And so this is important. And so I I want you to, I'm going to put, there's going to be several things that I'm going to say today that I'm going to put up on the screen. And I really want them to kind of settle in your heart is that true prosperity starts with who you have, not what you have. My pursuit should actually be God first. I mean, I'll give you an example of this. Solomon in Scripture, the Lord said, hey, what do you want? And he said, give me wisdom. He could have asked for anything. And God says, you've asked wisely, and because you've asked wisely, I'm going to give you wisdom. But also with that wisdom comes blessing. We call him the wealthiest man to ever live on the planet. He had unbelievable resources. How many of you realize that God actually has no problem with you being blessed? As long as your heart's right. As long as your motive is right. And so our soul has to have the ability to handle it. Well, how do I do that? I have to steward what I already have. If I'm faithful with what I have, God can increase me to do more. But it's not just increase for increase sake, it's increase for impact. And it's important that we understand these things. And so that real prosperity is actually for blessing, not just possessing. I'll say that again. Is that real prosperity is for blessing, not possessing. Is that sometimes God will bring things into our lives and blessings and opportunities. And our first thought is, is what am I going to do with this? When our actual thought should be, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? You've brought this into my life. And you're like, yeah, but I worked hard for this. I understand. I want to be a kingdom-minded person first. I don't want to treat God like a trinket. That he's just, no, I'm here to serve him. He's not here to serve me. And if we're not careful, especially in our Western mindset... We can slip into this mind, into that way of thinking. Now, and look, and I understand, you know, I mean, we just came out of a series on healing and now I'm teaching about finances. And so there's a, some of you have probably heard this term, the prosperity gospel. This is not what I'm teaching you. 
It's not. Because there, is an, that, that, there are some ways and some places where that went into error. It went too far. It, it just did. But do I throw out the truth because of some error? Let me ask you another question. I've heard some crazy things about heaven, but I still plan on going. Anybody else? Well, I don't say, well, I don't want to go to heaven because somebody taught wrong on it. No, I don't ignore the truth because of error. I just remove the error and live by the truth. That's how we're to live. And this is important. And so in First Timothy chapter 6 verses, I'm going to read four verses here, 6 through 10. Now you can go read this in context, but for the sake of time, I'm just going to read a couple verses here. Because I know that people have a lot of understanding and a lot of things that, and a lot of either bad teaching or bad experience or a combination of both. And so things, and, and so there becomes this resistance to what the word of God says. Because I don't know if you realize this, but that even as we were talking a few weeks ago in regards to our physical healing, that part of our salvation is actually also included with our provision. The Bible says that Jesus became poor so that we might become rich. And that doesn't mean that you're dripping in diamonds. And there is a spiritual application of that. And I'm not saying that, hey, that we are all going to have just crazy amounts of money. If that's your goal, it's already, it's already wrong. And God won't bless that. Why? Because in the end, it won't be a blessing for you. And everything from God is good. So if he knows it's going to result in bad, he can't bring it to you. He won't do it. Why? Because he loves us too much. But if my soul can prosper and my heart can actually expand and open up and say, God, I realize that all of my resources are yours. And my job is to actually properly and accurately handle them as your manager. You'll bring more resources into my life. I mean, I have like giving goals in my life. Things that in my lifetime I want to do. Things that I'm like, God, I, I, I'm praying and I'm believing that the day will come that I'm going to be able to do fill in the blank. None of your business what they are. No different than I have things in my heart that I want to see God use me inside of my calling. I also have goals inside of my finances. I say, God, I'm believing that you're going to bless me so that I can be a blessing. I've been able to do a couple of them so far, but I have bigger ones. Why? Because I realize that God is going to bring things into my life that he wants to use me. And here's the thing. I realize if God can, it's an old phrase. If God can get it through me, God will get it to me. And guess what? I get to enjoy some of it along the way. And I get to live a life that I never could have lived on my own. But I've got to trust the Lord in this area of my life. So here it goes on and in, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, it says that true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. And it goes, after all, we brought nothing into this world. We came or we brought nothing with us when we came into this world. And we can't take anything when we leave. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. Now, this is a verse that many people will use to kind of argue against that God wants to bless you. I would encourage you to go read your Bibles. Jesus talked a lot about money. He looked, his two main topics were actually time and money in all of his teachings. He talked about it a lot. 
And, you know, and, and here's the thing. You know that you can be content with a little and you can be content with a lot. But you can also not be content with a little and you can not be content with a lot. As a matter of fact, especially depending on your experience in life, you can actually prosper to a point and become so worried about losing your money that you lose your peace. Your soul needs to prosper so that you're not overly concerned. Why? Because you're not your source. But when we're our source, we become, we begin to worry. And many times people will use this verse and they'll be like, oh, you don't want to be rich. Here's what's funny. Everybody I've ever heard that made a statement like that, or you don't want to be well off. You don't want to have provision. And I'm going to talk some more about this next week specifically. Is it, you know, um, I'll just say it and then I'll move on. The people who make those statements, if I walked up and said, hey, I've got a $10,000 check. You want it? How many of you just say or know that they're not going to say, no, I I wouldn't want that. They're going to say, let me tell you how to write my name. (laughs) Make sure you spell it right. And is it dated? Did you sign it? And they will go and cash that check. Why? Because obviously. See, money in and of itself is not bad. It's actually amoral. Money doesn't have a conscience. The same money that could be used to rescue Somebody out of sex trafficking is the same money that could go be used to buy drugs. It's all about the person who's utilizing it. But this is a verse that people use many times. And it goes on here. And it says, but people who long to be rich fall into temptation. Don't be like them. And are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. And people say, oh, you got to be careful. You get too much, it'll change you. Money will change you if you don't change. Absolutely. But what if your soul prospers more than your money? You'll be good. Why? Because God is in charge. You're trusting him. It goes on. It says, for the love of money. Many people say the money is the root of all evil. That's not. That is directly out of scripture. It says, for the love, the unjust desire and pursuit of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So money is not actually evil. But it can give what it's the root of a lot of things. It enables a lot of things. And it says, and some people craving money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Now, I'm going to prove to you that money actually isn't as bad as you might think. Like, well, how are you going to do that? If I were the devil and money was evil, I would just give Christians so much money. That they would backslide straight to hell. So why doesn't he just give us more money than we know what to do with? Because we're bound to backslide. Because money is not actually evil. It's a tool. It's a resource. I mean, I have lots of tools and I have saws. Well, the same saw that can construct something and build something can also tear it down. It's all in the application in which I use it. See, what happens, especially in the, in the area of, when we start talking about finances and those types of things, sometimes we have strongholds. We have, and these strongholds actually limit us when it comes to what God desires to do. So what's a stronghold? It's a wrong pattern of thinking. Maybe we were taught something. Maybe we've had a bad experience, but it's a wrong pattern of thinking. And really, I would say it this way, is that a, a stronghold is this. Anything that's normal for you, that's not normal in the kingdom of God. 
That's what a stronghold is. Anything that is a way of thinking, it's a pattern of thinking that's normal for you that does not line up with God's word. That's a stronghold. And the Bible tells us to what? Pull them down, to tear them down. Well, how do we do that? By the truth of God's word. God has no problem with you being blessed at all. Not one bit. As a matter of fact, he desires for you to be blessed. But he wants your soul to prosper. He wants you to grow into the blessing. You're like, well, I don't know if I believe that. Let me share with you a couple of scriptures. I'm going to make a statement. I'm going to share a couple of scriptures with you. Is that money is not a goal to be achieved. It's a tool to accomplish God's work. And God has no problem when we enjoy some of it. You're like, hmm, I don't know about that. Let me give you a couple of scriptures. In Psalms 35 verse 27, it says, Let them all say, the Lord is great. And he delights in the prosperity of his servant. God actually takes pleasure when you do well. Let me give you another scripture. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 19 says, It's a good thing to receive wealth from the Lord and, a, and, and the good health to enjoy it. He says, To enjoy your work. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. How many people don't enjoy your work? But here the Bible actually says to, well, let me insert a Jerryism for you right here. If you don't know who Jerry is, that's my dad. Dara has a list of Jerryisms. You know, just my dad has a hard time with the English language. So we're not trying number two. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and I love my dad. He's been here, you know, but I remember I was about 12 years old. 11, 12 years old, my dad's trying to teach me about work and how to work. And, and I mean, I can quote it verbatim what he told me. And he said, son, he said, there's no fun in work. The only fun in work is in a paycheck. <clears throat> and he told me that, and man, it stuck with me because he's like, you know, because I was doing all kinds of things that you do when you're that age, trying to make money, not fun things. And he was making sure that I learned how to work. And it was hard work, but I sure did like the paycheck. And it was nice. And here it says that we can actually enjoy your work. You know, if you actually had a kingdom mindset, you might enjoy what you do a little bit more because now it gives what you do daily purpose beyond just doing my job. No, God wants to use me. God wants to utilize me for what? For real impact to leave legacy in my life that would actually change more lives than my own. Do you realize how narrow sighted it is to believe God just for your finances? It's actually selfish. Now, I know I just offended somebody. I know that. Sometimes we need to be offended. I know we live in a culture that you can't offend nobody. Truth is offensive. And if I'm going to live a life that matters, that has impact, I'm going to have to be faced with some things. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, my brother-in-law was here. And, uh, Ross, a psychologist, he said some things that were offensive. Sometimes we need to be offended. My wife offends me all the time. <laughs> and you know what? I need it. Because I get offended because she's right. I just don't like it. Because what? It requires me to change. And I don't want to change. I think I'm great. Why would I change? Because she keeps reminding me that I need to change. <clears throat> Anyhow, let me come back to scripture. 
We'll stop meddling. It's a good thing to receive wealth from God and, and the good health to enjoy it, to enjoy your work and accept your lot in life. This is indeed a gift from God. This is a gift from God to you. Now, there's some more instructions. This is actually, so I read to you 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 through 10, just a few verses down from this. Because a lot of people will read those verses and say, see, you don't need money. It's going to ruin you. It's going to make you terrible. But he kept writing. Sometimes it does good to keep reading in Scripture. Don't just go and cherry pick a verse and be like, oh, that's the doctrine. Keep reading. It's called the whole counsel of Scripture. In the same chapter, literally seven verses down, this is what he gives us some instructions. He says, so if God doesn't want us to be rich then, or wealthy... To have resources, when I say wealthy, what, what I, this is how I define wealth. You have more than you need. Well, you need more than you need so that you can be a blessing. It's hard to be a blessing if you aren't blessed. So it says, teach those who are rich. How many of you are rich? Oh, I got a couple of hands. Look at there. You're more, you're, you're wealthier than you realize. Just in context, you're in the top three or 4% wealthiest people on the planet right now. The fact that you live where you live. The majority of the billions of people who live on our planet can exist for less than a dollar a day. 30 bucks a month. They can exist. They can live on that. How many of you can make it today eating for $30? today just if you want well this might humor you it might depress you go out of how much money you've spent in the last 30 days on food and let's talk about who's doing okay let's talk about how much our cable bill cost or our much necessary cell phones cost us let me come back Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money. Don't put your trust in your money. Why? Because it is so unreliable. Okay, if we're not to trust in our money, where are we supposed to trust? God. Right? So let me ask you the question. How much money is too much money? I've never met one person who has ever told me I have too much money. I don't know what to do. I can take some from you. I mean, if you're just looking for places to go. How much is too much? This is a bit controversial in a way. Because I know we have people that have exorbitant amount of money in our culture. And I don't personally know them. I don't know anything about them. I know what maybe is said publicly, but I don't know. But here's my answer to the question. Is that it's any amount of money that replaces trust in God. That might be a hundred bucks. Some people could have a million dollars and their response is, God, what do you want me to do with this? Some people get a hundred dollars and they forget God exists. 
Why? Because the trust has now shifted. And now, now the blessings that God brought in my life, all of a sudden I'm responsible to maintain them. I'll just give you a personal example of this. This was a number of years ago, but I was very focused. I can, I can be a pretty focused person. And I had a goal and I wanted to pay off my house. So I was working really hard. I was doing everything I knew to do, like every shortcut imaginable. I'm working the angles, you know, pay every two weeks, pay extra every month. I mean, just working extra jobs, flipping houses, doing all kinds of stuff. And and I've got my goal and I had my time frame and I had all of this stuff. Cause I'm like, I've got, I want my house paid for by a certain age. And I had all of these things and man, I was doing good. I was making lots of progress. But it became the goal or a major goal in my life. And one day I was uh, just in my quiet time and just spending time with the Lord. And he just kind of prompted me. And he just said, do you realize that I could pay your house off today if I wanted to? And I was like, sure you can. Why don't you? That'd be great. (laughs) We can speed up my timelines and I'll tell people about how you did it. The Lord didn't say that to do that. What he was actually was pointing out in me was an unnecessary focus and desire that I had that God did not have for me. But I was trying to get to a point and get to a place. But the problem was I was trying to get there. And I was trusting in David I'm going to work harder than everybody. I'm going to be smart. I'm going to do all these things as opposed to just saying, God, I'm going to trust you. There's nothing wrong with doing those things. I still do those things. I mean, I do all the natural things that I can. I hate debt. I hate interest, actually. (laughs) I don't mind the debt if it's zero interest, you know. It's like, hey, it's free money, (laughs) you know. (laughs) But, man, but every month looking at that interest, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, it drives me crazy. I hate it. But I have to trust the Lord. Some of you, I mean, like, let's just. What would happen if you went to work tomorrow and you got let go? Like tomorrow morning, eight o'clock. You walk in your job and they say, hey, we appreciate it, but. We're eliminating some positions. You just happen to be one of them. Would you go into full-on panic? Now, you may say, well, no, because I have a good nest egg. So you're dependent upon your nest egg. Not upon the Lord. There's nothing wrong with having a nest egg. The Bible actually says that God will bless your storehouses. It's in Deuteronomy. Well, you got to have a storehouse for God to bless. It's kind of important. You're like, what does that mean? Your savings account. But God can't ask you to, you know, like, I'll just give you an example. Just, I'm just pulling this out of thin air. I'm just hitting a story or anything. But let's just say that you hear somebody who needed a car repair. Let's say it was a thousand bucks. And God says, I want you to pay for that. Why would I do that? Because the money's not yours. It belongs to the Lord. And and, and here's the thing. Is that God said, it's not that you have to do it. But God says, hey, if you understand that this act of obedience is going to open the door for me to do more through you. 
And if I can just get it through you, trust me, I can get it to you. God's looking for willing people with open hearts that are willing to be obedient. I mean, it, 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 it's fun to be generous. It's exciting to be generous. So what do you do when you don't have money? Because I realize there's all kinds of people in this room. There's people online. What do you do when you don't have money? Here's my encouragement. Draw close to God and say, what do I do with what's in my hand? Because the key to actually unlocking blessing in your life, you already have it. And I don't have time to, but to show you the scripturally the principles behind this, but it's true. Everything that you need to move forward that you already possess, you have it. Why? Because you have God and that's everything you need. But he does have some natural things in, that he's put into your life that he can use. I mean, a number of years ago, I was in a ton of debt. Like they say up to eyeballs, like I was drowning. I've shared this before. I called one of, one of those debt consolidation people and they came back and said, we can't help you. This is absolutely true. 100% accurate. And, and the guy, and I never will forget this. He said, we have no idea how you're paying so little on so much. How did you do this? Because I was so smart. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I could have filed bankruptcy. But I made a decision, Darren, I made a decision that said, you know what? God's going to help us. And we kept sowing, we kept tithing, we kept standing upon the promises of God. And God brought us in three years from drowning in debt to being completely debt free minus our house in three years. And God brought us. And so when I'm talking about trusting the Lord, like God, and I won't go into all the story. God brought all kinds of crazy ways. I needed tires. I was walking in Walmart. Xbox was a big deal. They said, we have them. It was at Christmas time. I went and bought them at layaway, like 10 bucks a piece or something. I put them on eBay. I sold them. I bought my tires the next week and didn't cost me a dime. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm just saying that, that was one of many stories. I got to a point where everything had leveled off and I was like, I know what I'll do. I'll go get a job before church, before I go to the church to work. I'm going to go back and work at UPS again. Fill out my application. I walk out the door. The door shuts behind me. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, you've crossed the line. You're trusting in yourself. Trust in me. I said, okay, I've crossed the line. I don't want to be, I don't want to be out there where God is not. And I watched God work and God helped us through many avenues and ways. So, so what do you do when you don't have money? Draw close to God. Find out what he wants you to do. What do you do when you have money? You draw close to God and you find out what he wants you to do. Whether you have it or whether you don't, it's the same solution. Draw close to God. God, it's yours. What do you want me to do? See, we can't confuse our source with the resource. God may use a job in your life for a season, for a time, and that may dry up. You may get a pink slip. You may get a, hey, we appreciate it, but we don't need you anymore. And you can lose your mind. You can lose your peace. You can be beside yourself going, now what? Was your job your source or is God? Because God will use a resource even for a time. Even for a season, but that doesn't mean it's forever. But just because it shifts doesn't mean it's over. God just says, I mean, do you think God freaks out? It's like, oh my gosh, I didn't know they were going to do this on Monday morning. 
God says, no, I already have, but it's trust. It's coming alongside of him. And so the apostle Paul in Philippians 4, verse 12 and 13 says this. He says, and this is going back to that contentment part. He says, for I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. Paul said, look, I know what it's like to be broken. I know what it's like to be prosperous. He says, I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or an empty stomach, with plenty or with little. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Doesn't matter the amount. Some of us, when we have money in the bank, we feel good. We feel good and, 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 and we're, our, our self-esteem's high. We're feeling great. And then when it goes to nothing or even into the negative, it's like all of a sudden that we have now changed. Our value has changed according to who? And I'm not advocating living in the red. It's hard to have a witness. Okay. I, <laughs> I said I would be straightforward. It's hard to have a good witness as a Christian with a bad credit score. And I've already told you I was in debt to the point of almost going bankrupt. As a Christian, we ought to pay our bills. We ought to be generous. We ought to pay other people's bills. Why? Because we're blessed to be a blessing. Now, I realize, again, you may have just gotten offended by my statement. I'm not speaking from a place of judgment. I'm speaking from a place of experience because I've been there. But I watched God be faithful and I've watched God work and I've watched God move us forward. Let me read you a verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. I think the Holy Spirit, I'm going to lighten the mood here because I think the Holy Spirit was in a really good mood when he penned this verse. But he says that God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, that's a lot of alls, that you may abound in every good work. When there's a need, you have the resource to meet it. Why? Because you've tapped into the blessings of God and you understand that prosperity has a purpose. Your income is for impact. Right? It's like, God, you have a, a plan and a purpose for this. Well, first off, let me just say, he says, I'm going to make all grace abound. Well, where did grace become available? Jesus on the cross. That's where grace came from. Jesus on the cross, all grace was made available. It includes your financial ability. Just a little side note. People say Jesus was poor. Then why did Jesus have a treasurer? Number one. Number two, how did the treasurer steal money and nobody knew about it? If you're unaware, Judas was the, holding the purse for Jesus. And the Bible says that he siphoned some for himself. And it took a, a really a supernatural uh, revelation for Jesus to even know it. Jesus nor the other 12 disciples. They were a pretty tight crew. I mean, I know it's, it's going to be Christmas time pretty soon. And we read the story that they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And we see these little like urns. Jesus at his birth, those gifts were worth unbelievable amounts of money. I mean, think about this. Joseph and Mary fled for Egypt for three and a half years. Well, that was 
very uncommon in those days. Why? Because Joseph was a carpenter. So his business was, God gave provision before they ever left. And God will provide for you. And and it's very important. And it says that you would have what? Sufficiency. You would have not just enough, more than enough for all things at all times that you would abound in every good work. Say, man, that sounds pretty good. How do I get that? Read the whole council of scripture. Just back up two verses. That was verse eight. Let's go back to verse six. Verse six says this. It says, remember, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your own heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or in, or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Another translation says grudgingly. You can give angrily or you can give happily. It's your decision. And guess what? It's not about the amount. It's about your heart. It's in here, not back here. Which one do you want to be? I would rather do things that actually produce joy in my life than I would to be angry or to be upset. See, giving is all about the heart. It's all about our motive more than the amount. It really is. And if you get a hold of this, like I'll just give you an example. And this is just in my own life that I have seen. It's amazing to me that people want to look at things Like, I'll just give you a specific thing. For whatever reason, God has given us the ability that we've been able to buy multiple properties that we've lived in. And people come to me after the fact and say, how did you find this home? I've been looking for two years. I'm like, there was a sign and I called a number. Like, it wasn't a secret. But it was a secret for me. And that's happened multiple times. When we moved to Arkansas, when we were pastoring there, I, I don't remember all the situation. Oh, I do remember the situation. We hadn't moved yet, but I wanted a place. We had committed to buy a house and this and that. But we were driving back and forth. It was a couple hours. Dare was still working in Shreveport, and we were driving to El Dorado and all this stuff every week. But we'd stay in a hotel room on Saturday nights, but we had Sunday morning and Sunday night services, so we kind of had these weird afternoons. And so I called the guy who owned the home, and I said, Hey, I can't buy the house yet. But is there any way that instead of paying the hotel, I can just pay you and I could just stay in the house, just set up something like one room or whatever, no big deal. And he goes, oh, you don't need to do that. He's like, the neighbor's got the key. I'll call him. You just get it. As a matter of fact, just move whatever you want to in it. You can buy it when you want to. He lived in North Carolina. He had moved. And he let me stay there for free. He's like, oh, no, no, no. We stayed there for months on the weekends. It was a huge blessing. And I'm thinking, I wouldn't do this. Like, what is wrong with you? I mean, I mean, he was like elated. He was glad. And I'm just thinking, this is crazy. We bought the house, all these things, good, whatever. You know, God will actually, when, you, when your heart's right, your soul's right, God can say, hey, I can bless that. I can give you favor with the right people. You can get yourself into a job and you're going to think, how did I get here? I am not the smartest guy in the room. Let me just a little side note, by the way, if you're the smartest guy in the room, you're the, in the wrong room. Because you got yourself there. I heard somebody one time say it like this, and I, it's a great illustration. But it says, I want to be like a turtle on a fence post. Because you know he didn't get there by himself. And that's what I want God to do for you. People look at you and go, how, wait, how did you, 
I, I know you. You didn't get there by yourself. You're right. God did it. God blessed me and God did things in my life. And, and why? Because God is good. Because he wants to bless you. He wants you to enjoy your life. So we to give cheerfully. Now, here's what I, and this is something that I need you to catch and need you to grab hold of. I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping up here. i got a couple things, but we're going to wrap it real quick. Is it giving and tithing? If you don't know what tithing is, it's technically 10%. It's an, it, the law was, it was established in the Old Testament. But we're no longer bound to the law of tithing. But is tithing still a good idea? Yes, it is. Why? Because it produces blessing in my life. I don't have to do it. I get to do it. I mean, as a church, we tithe 10% of everything that comes in. We send it out and we, we do that. Why? Because I believe in the principle of tithing. I'm going to teach you more about that because there's actually two types of things, two types of resources God will bring into your life. There's bread and there's seed. You don't eat your seed. You eat your bread. There's a difference. That's next week. Just a little part of next week. No, giving and being generous, it produces life. And let me say it like this, is because we can have this mindset. And I've, and I've even taught this because I didn't know any better, right? So give grace to some preachers because sometimes we're still figuring some stuff out too. Is that we have this mindset, if I don't give, God's going to send his henchmen out to get me. God's going to take the tithe from me. Hey, look, and look, and I understand there are, I know where they get it from the scripture. God's a good God. He's a good father, not the Godfather. Right? He ain't coming for your kneecaps and your fingers. You either pay me or else. You know what I'm saying? That is not God. He's a good father. But just because there's still a principle about honoring the Lord with your first fruits, there's a promise that comes attached with that. And God says, I will pour out blessings into your life. If you really want to know if something has you or if you have it, can you give it away? Kids are not available for that, by the way. But, <laughs> but honestly, if you can't give it away, you don't own it. It owns you. I mean, I know it's football season. And some of you men, my, my daughter informed me last night, Daddy, your show's on and I don't like football. You know, I wasn't even in the house. It was funny. And so, but I mean, it's crazy. We think about things and possessions like they're so important. They're really not. And I'm not advocating to just go sell everything. Like, that's not what I'm telling you. Although they did do that in the book of Acts, by the way, which is in the New Testament. But that's not what I'm trying to get you to do. That's not the goal at all. Now, the goal is to have some proper understanding about what God says, what his word says about uh, giving. God wants us to live very blessed lives. But he's established a way for us to come into partnership with him. He invites us into partnership. So we can honor him with the tithe. You're like, well, what do I do with the tithe? You bring it to the church. You're like, well, that's convenient for you to say. I didn't say it. The Bible did. You're like, yeah, but how do I trust you? All I can tell you is that, and Kyle's our financial guy, he can tell you, 
I'm, I consider myself pretty much a stickler <laughs> on a lot of things. But you're really not even trusting me. That's the thing. If you give your money to me, then I'm the, the expectation for your benefit. If you trust the Lord with your finances, he's the resource. And trust me, he's got much deeper pockets and much more strings, and he knows a lot more people. His network's way bigger than mine. See, we're to, what, come into partnership with God, and so here's what I'm encouraging you to do. You may say, man, I didn't like this message. It started off good with this little candy stuff, but it, it, it went downhill from there. Just... Here's what I would encourage you to do is to just ask God about it and then obey. I'm just sharing with you God's word because here's the truth. If you don't hear anything else I've said today, this is what I want you to hear. Is that nobody takes better care of you than dad. Nobody. We're going to talk about this a little bit next week. Matthew 6. Look at the birds of the air and the lilies of the valley. Are they worried? Not at all. Then why are you? Because it says, hey, God takes care of them. God provides for them. So nobody takes care, better, or, n- nobody takes care of you better than dad. He is the source of all our resources. I read this somewhere else and I, I thought it was pretty funny. Is it? He's El Shaddai, not El Chipo. God is not looking for a way to limit you. God actually says, man, I want to pour my blessings into your life, but your soul, your heart is going to have to grow to be able to handle the blessing of what I want to do through you. Because this is God's desire. This isn't a bless me club. This isn't some gimmick. It's not like a, hey, here's the formula. I read somewhere else. They said that the principle without the prince is closer to witchcraft and kingdom. And I thought that's really good. You may say that again. It was really, I mean, yeah, I had to repeat that one. I had to go write it down. Is that the principle without the prince being Jesus is closer to witchcraft than kingdom. I mean, I was watching a show the other day and this lady made the comment about, she's like, I'm manifesting something. What we would consider in the church world, the word of faith has been hijacked by the world and they've just removed God from it. There's a book called The Secret. It is the word of faith message minus the relationship with God. It's been around for 20 years. People are manifesting. I'm going to put good juju out into the universe and I'm going to sit on my butt and the universe is just going to bless me. It is the blessings of God without the relationship. Well, that blessing will destroy. We need the help and the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. And God has no problem with you being blessed at all he just doesn't want it to ruin you and that's his heart and so this morning i'm gonna pray aren't you glad i'm done (laughs) i'm gonna pray this morning as we conclude service today but look this is a heart issue it really is it's about priority and it's about really intentionality and it's saying god i trust you with my soul I, i trust you with my eternity i can trust you with my finances and I don't have to have it all figured out. I'm a guy that likes to have it figured out. I don't want to, you know, analyze it and look at it. I did this and God did this. And God. sometimes I think God's like, I'm not going to do it that way. 
just so that you know it was me and not you. I got a different mode, a different way to do that. And this is the way that God works. But he absolutely wants you to be blessed. Now, your blessing may not look like everybody else's blessing. Some people, the Bible actually says that there are people that have the gift of giving. I don't know how you sign up for it, but throw my name in the hat for that. A gift of giving. I've been around people like this. Like, I, they're fun to watch because they just love to be generous. And God gives them, they actually, God actually gives them a grace to make money to give it away. I was just listening to something the other day, and, and a guy wrote a $20 million check to a church. Just, here you go. I don't know if you got $20 million, but uh, yeah, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No, God wants to bless you. God really does. And I don't want to make this about giving, or, but it's a part of God's plan. It really is. Like, I don't even know how we give around here. There's offering envelopes. You can get on the app, whatever. There's slides back there. It's all self-explanatory. If you got questions, ask somebody. This isn't a pressure pitch at all. I want your soul to prosper. I want you to make impact. I want you to have legacy long-term. And so I'm going to pray this morning over you. I'm going to pray specifically that if there's any strongholds in regards to finances, I'm going to make the statement again that I made a few minutes ago, is that nobody takes better care of you than your dad. We'll spend more time talking about that next week, but we can trust God. He is trustworthy. He loves you more than you know. He wants good for you more than you know. We just have to come in line with his word and then watch him work. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you right now.